Let me ask you a question. Do you talk to yourself? Really? Do you talk to yourself? David did. He not only talked to himself, but he also wrote to himself. We're going to actually look at a psalm today that he wrote to himself. Now, although he wrote this psalm to himself, he didn't intend for it to be a private conversation only to be read by himself. He meant the psalm to also be a benefit to others like us. So it's okay for us to look in on this conversation that he has with himself. Now, before you start thinking that David and I have both lost our minds, I want to point out that it's completely normal for people to talk to themselves. We all talk to ourselves. Some of us have more fluent conversations with ourselves than others do, but we all engage in self-talk. Studies on this topic indicate that talking to ourselves out loud can actually be helpful. It focuses and reinforces our thinking and gauging more of ourself in what it is that we're doing by linking up the auditory function into the process. Uh, Here's an example that I'm sure is relevant to many of us. Say when you're driving and you're following a set of directions, many of us, we naturally, without even thinking about it, we start talking to ourselves out loud. We say something to ourselves like, turn left at 1st Street. Okay, 1st Street, couple more streets up. There it is. Why do we do that? To increase our focus on what we're doing. Here's another example that is going to be very relevant for lots of parents in a few weeks. When we are following a set of assembly instructions for putting something together, like a toy, we'll often read out loud to ourselves, take part A and insert it into hole C on part B while simultaneously rotating part D counterclockwise until part A clicks twice. Again, why do we do that out loud? In hopes of bringing all of our cognitive abilities to bear on the problem, right? If it's helpful to engage in self-talk when doing something as mundane as following driving directions or instructions for assembling a child's toy, imagine how helpful self-talk can be when we're doing something of far greater importance, like reminding ourselves of God's goodness to us. There are two voices constantly vying for attention and the upper hand in my head. There's the small-minded, selfish, prideful, insecure, fearful Jeff. And there's also the full of faith, selfless, generous, courageous, obedient to God, lover of Jesus, Jeff. What we say to ourselves has a profound impact on the kind of person that we're becoming. And because of that, it's important that we be deliberate about the self-talk that we engage in. We need to shut down self-talk that is sinful and destructive to ourselves and others. And we need to intentionally speak the words of the Lord to ourselves. We need to follow David's example that we see in this psalm that we're going to be looking at today. Well, let's take a look at this conversation that David has with himself. It's Psalm 
103. If you've got your Bible, turn over to Psalm 103. Begins with the first verse he says, Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Some psalms are addressed to God. Some psalms are addressed to and directed at people. And in this psalm, the writer David is speaking to himself. David tells himself in the first verse, Praise the Lord, my soul. Then again in verse 2, Praise the Lord, my soul. And then finally, he actually ends this psalm in verse 22 with the concluding words, Praise the Lord, my soul. Everything in between these opening verses and the final sentence of this psalm is also addressed to my soul. What is my soul? Without getting off into the weeds with a lot of technical talk, my soul is me. My soul is the life inside of this body. So when David is speaking to his soul, he's speaking to himself. What does it mean to praise the Lord? It means to proclaim and to celebrate the Lord's amazingness, to express our gratitude for all that he has done to worship God. David tells himself to praise the Lord with all his inmost being in the first verse, or with all that is within him. In other words, with his whole self. That brings to mind the way that we're to love the Lord. You might remember when Jesus was talking uh, with People, and they asked this question of him, what is the greatest commandment? He replied like this in Mark 12, 30. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Well, that's how we are to be praising the Lord too. Praise is an expression of love for the Lord. David tells himself specifically in verse 2, he says, forget not all his, the Lord's, benefits. Benefits. What does that word mean? Well, it means the good, the help, the blessings received from the Lord. Some relationships, they drain the life out of us. There's no perceived benefit in the relationship at all. It's, it's just difficulty and stress and awfulness. That's not how it is with a relationship with the Lord. With the Lord, it's all benefit. It's all good. It's all blessing. The rest of this psalm beginning with verse 3, is a remembering, a recounting, a reminding, a proclaiming of the benefits received from the Lord. It's good for us to remind ourselves who God is and what he's like. The devil and our sinful nature and the godless secular culture that surrounds us are all continually defaming and defacing God before us. God doesn't exist. God isn't good. God isn't relevant. God doesn't love you. And on and on. All of this defaming and defacing of God, it erodes our trust in the Lord. It causes us to doubt Him and His motives toward us. We need to counteract all of that erosion and corrosion by reminding ourselves again and again of the Lord's true nature. And that's what we see in this psalm. In verse 3 then, he says, Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases? Who forgives all your sins? When we talk of giving thanks, our minds often gravitate toward the people and the stuff in our life. 
We're grateful for our family, our friends, our health, our home, our job, having food to eat and a warm place to sleep. We might get specific, naming things like our car, our clothes, our furniture, our position at work, our pets, our neighbors, our talents, our opportunities, our investment funds. I mean, the list is almost endless, and it's different for each of us. But look at what David lists first among the many benefits that he has received from the Lord, having all his sins forgiven. That's the first on the list. It can be argued that this is the greatest benefit that we can receive from God. There's nothing more important for a human being in this life than to have a relationship with the Lord. And that begins with us having our sins forgiven. Our sin is what broke our relationship with God to begin with. Having our sin forgiven, it makes it possible for us to have a relationship with God again. The mission of Jesus Christ was to reconcile us with God by dying as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. An accusing conscience can be horrifying. Guilt can eat us alive. But to have our sin forgiven, it's a wonderfully freeing thing. You may be struggling right now, suffering tremendous pain or lack, and maybe you're wondering what you can be thankful for. Here's something that we can all be thankful for. No matter what else is going on in our life, all our sin is forgiven when we embrace Jesus Christ as Savior. Who forgives all our sins and heals all your diseases. David recognizes the Lord as the one who heals him and sustains his health. This is particularly relevant in the days we're living in, isn't it? I mean, it continues to be shocking to think that a microscopic organism has brought the whole world to a standstill and been the cause of so many deaths and suffering. It's reminded us that even with all of our amazing science and technology, we human beings are still very vulnerable. We, his people, we look to the Lord as our healer, both spiritually and physically. The Lord, he may not choose to heal us and sustain our life. He may choose to take us home. We're in his hands no matter what. But when we are healed, we know who's done it. The Lord is our healer. He's the one who restores our health. Verse 4. Who redeems your life from the pit. The pit is Sheol, the place of the dead. The Lord sustains our life now and has given us hope beyond the grave. And he crowns you with love and compassion. The Lord, he doesn't simply rescue us from death and destruction. He crowns us with love and compassion. Verse 5, who, who satisfies your desires with good things. The human soul is a bottomless pit of desires until we encounter the living God. Only He can satisfy what is aching in our soul, what we are hungering for continually. But when we come to Him, we find that we have finally found what we have always been looking for. He satisfies us. He fills us with His good things. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The, the eagle was a symbol of strength and vitality. 
Isaiah 40, verse 29, for example, Isaiah writes, He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak, talking about the Lord. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. This life that we're living in has a way of draining our strength away. Fatigue, discouragement, the loss of purpose and vision are constantly pulling on us. But our great counterbalance to all of that is the Lord who sustains us and renews our strength. Verse 6 says, The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. David reminds himself that God is true and right and just and fair, and he looks out for the weak and the oppressed. We don't see the Lord's righteousness and justice in all of the earth right now. We pray for it, we hope for it, we work for it, we wait for it ultimately to come at the second coming of Jesus Christ when he will establish his kingdom upon all the earth. Jesus, you might remember, he taught us in the model prayer that he gives us to pray for God's righteousness and justice to come. In Matthew 6, 9, he said, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Verse 7, it says, He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. So David reflects now on the revelation that God gave of himself to Moses and the people of Israel when he established a special covenant relationship with them on Mount Sinai. The event that David is making reference to here is found in Exodus chapter 34. And he actually is quoting from verses 6 and 7 of that chapter here in verse 8. This is what God is like. He is compassionate and gracious. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in love. In these next verses, David expands on these elements of the Lord's character. In verse 9, he says... He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. People tend to see God as a lesser version of themselves. And, he, and they give him their character weaknesses. When we're deeply wounded by another person, we struggle with extending compassion and grace to that person. We want to continue to accuse and build our case against them, to prove over and over how wronged we were by them and how guilty they are. We want to hang on to our anger toward that other person, but the Lord is not like that. He's not like us. The Lord desires reconciliation with us. He wants to extend mercy and forgiveness. He wants to help us find our way back to the right path. He's a peacemaker. says, the Lord does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Oh, the mercy and the forgiveness of the Lord. If he treated us as we deserve, we would surely be swept away and be no more. Lamentations 3.22 says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. 
for his compassions never fail. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. How, how, how high are the heavens above the earth? Poetically speaking, the distance is too far to measure. The love that the Lord has for those who fear him is greater than can be measured. What does it mean to fear the Lord? This is a term that comes up a lot in the Psalms. Fearing the Lord is not being terrified of the Lord, afraid he's going to turn us into a piece of badly burned human toast. The person who fears the Lord is a person who deeply loves and respects the Lord. A person who fears the Lord sees in the Lord a safe haven of protection and provision rather than a terrifying monster to run from. It's ironic, actually, that the person who does not fear the Lord is the person who ought to be afraid of God. That person has refused God's overtures of love and reconciliation. That person doesn't respect the Lord. That person is arrogant and full of themselves, oblivious of their guilt and the danger that their soul is in. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Proverbs 14.16, The wise fear the Lord and shun evil, but a fool is hot-headed and yet feels secure. It says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he, the Lord, removed our transgressions from us. Well, how far is the east from the west? They're in opposite directions. If you go east, you will never eventually run into west. And if you go west, you will never eventually run into east. They are an infinite distance away from each other. That's how far the Lord has removed our sins from us. When the Lord forgives us, our sins are gone and remembered no more. Verse 13. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. David uses the compassion that a kind and loving father has for his beloved child to illustrate the kind of compassion that the Lord has for his children. In verse 14. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it's gone. And its place remembers it no more. So again, the Lord's compassion for us is illustrated here. This time, by pointing out that the Lord understands us and who we are. He knows our frailty and he treats us with that in mind. He knows that we're made of dust. And he treats us very carefully because of it. He knows our life is fragile and short. We're like a flower of the field. We flourish for a moment and then our life is gone. And so he treats us with tender mercy and offers us the hope of life with him forever. Verse 17 says, But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children. The Lord's love for us is from everlasting to everlasting. The Hebrew word that's translated everlasting, it means forever, eternal. 
perpetual, never-ending. The Lord's love is forever and ever, never-ending for all eternity. Since His righteousness is with their children's children. This is a way of saying that even in this life, the Lord's goodness reaches across generations for those who fear Him, for those who love Him, for those who are His children, for those who are in relationship with Him. Verse 19, it says, The Lord has established His throne in heaven, and His kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you His angels, you mighty ones who do His bidding, who obey His word. Praise the Lord, all His heavenly hosts, you His servants who do His work, do His will. Praise the Lord, all His works, everywhere in His dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. The psalm ends here with David telling everything in the Lord's vast dominion to praise the Lord. Even the mighty angelic beings are told to praise the Lord. And then David, he concludes the psalm telling himself once again, praise the Lord, my soul. So in in closing this morning, let's make our self-talk the same as David's in this psalm. In Psalm 103, verse 2, he said, Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. I've taken the benefits that David talks about in this psalm, and I've boiled them down to single words for us. Let's make this our self-talk. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. The Lord forgives me. The Lord heals me. The Lord rescues me. The Lord loves me. The Lord is compassionate to me. The Lord satisfies me. The Lord renews me. The Lord protects me. The Lord is patient with me. The Lord is gracious to me. The Lord understands me. The Lord is gentle with me. The Lord preserves me. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this psalm that we get to look in on David's self-talk as he reminds himself of all your benefits, Lord. Father, we we pray that this would be our self-talk too. That we would remember all your benefits. We, We would not forget any of them. Praise the Lord, my soul. In Jesus' name, amen.